Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is your captain speaking. My name is Theo, and you're listening to Between Two Trains, the train station that brings you great entrepreneurs twice a month. Your hosts are Eric Moss and Van Pappas. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride. Welcome to another Between Two Trains. My name is Van, your friendly financial planner. And I'm Eric, your better business banker. And Eric, today we have Mark Apple from Forward Push. Um, Forward Push is a internet marketing firm right here in downtown Chambly. Uh, Mark, welcome to the show. Is, is that right? Is that what you would call yourself, an internet marketing company? I would say that we are just a marketing agency because okay. we do have uh, clients that we do non-digital. So that's TV, radio, billboards. Oh, okay. So it's almost everything that's needed for a small business to get their name out. We're doing that kind of work. Excellent. So we got... TV market, uh, TV, radio, you said billboards. Billboards been, as well. Been on the internet side, web design, right? What else? Web design, we're doing video marketing, email marketing, we're doing search engine optimization, which is SEO, and then also Google ads and Facebook ads. And then on the social side, we're managing people's for, uh, Facebook and Instagram pages as well. So it really is whatever a small business owner is kind of struggling with doesn't have the time for, we're that net. Well, I know working with the chamber members and interacting with a lot of small business owners, you know, a small entrepreneur is so focused on whatever business they have, the sales of that business, the running of that business, that sometimes marketing falls to a side. So I would think that, you know, you would be a perfect fit for that small business owner that says, I just don't have the time to do all those things. And I need someone to take that off my plate. Yeah, a hundred percent. My my favorite thing to say is that small business owners are all liars, and by that I mean that they all continually tell themselves, "I'll get to that when I have time," and they're typically saying that about a new website, posting on Facebook, getting to video marketing. I'll get to that when I have time, and I'm also a small business owner, so I understand that when that client calls. Uh, that Facebook post isn't maybe getting out or creating that video just gets pushed to tomorrow, right? So I like to take that sort of attitude of exactly what you're saying, Van. It really is like, I need to do this, but I don't have time. And what do you do? It's the shiny object syndrome, right? Chase that squirrel. And that squirrel sometimes is the customer that just walked through your door, the phone call that rang, that text message from the customer, and there you go. What's your target, you know, client size in the small business world? There's not really a size where I could say, hey, it's one to 10 people or anything like that. We specialize in small to medium-sized business. If I have to categorize it, if I'm really pushed, I kind of say we like people that work on Main Street. We're really looking for, you know, the owner that we can talk to. Typically, there might be a marketing manager or someone involved, but at the end of the day, I'm really looking for that small to medium-sized business, no matter how many people that are struggling with what we just talked about, all those different marketing tactics. They've read a bunch of blogs, they've wasted a bunch of money, and they just don't have anyone that they can trust. And that's, that's where we fall. It's such a difficult thing because you're dealing with people who have created oftentimes this, you know, business from scratch. So it's like they're, you know, it's like their baby and they want to, yeah control everything and they want to have their hands in almost everything. So coming in as kind of that outsource partner, like what, 
you got to have a lot of skill and tact kind of, you know, approaching that, would you say? Yeah, uh, yeah for sure. And it's funny, I'm, I'm smiling here because I'm thinking of a conversation I had this morning with a prospect and he said the exact same words that this is my baby. I've been working on this for three years when he opened his door. I've been through a bunch of marketing companies. Nothing's worked. I don't know how to do this. And these are all quotes from a call this morning. I'm going to go ahead and, and hire you because I trust you and I understand what you're saying. And that's where we really excel with me and my team is that our idea is like, make it so that the small business owner can understand what they're spending their money on, understand what the expectations are for the return on investment and also be super respectful. Everyone on my team, me included, has an attitude that every time a client writes us a check, that money could have gone to their kid's education, out for dinner, their vacation, anything else, but they chose to spend their money with us. So we better treat it as if it is their baby. Yeah. Well, Van, you've, you've been kind of ahead on kind of digital videos. You've posted a lot of stuff on LinkedIn. You know, and Mark, like, with this quarantine lockdown, this kind of new normal, so to speak, I mean, I'd imagine that if there are people who weren't hearing the message, you know, maybe six to, to 12 months ago, perhaps now they're a little more open to, to listening. Um, is that the case? Uh, yeah, it's, it's been incredible. I think we're one of the shining lights through this pandemic. And it's weird. You'll have businesses that are going out of business that have really been effective. And then you'll have people like us that are helping businesses stay afloat, stay in business, who are doing, who are doing well. Because what has happened is people have woken up to the fact of, it's great, I've got a shop on Main Street, but no one can buy my products online. And all of a sudden, everything switched to online. Right. It wasn't just restaurant takeout. It wasn't just ordering from Amazon. It was if I needed to go get something from my favorite shop in downtown, well, I can't go. So what do I do? I go to their website and wait, they don't have ordering online or they don't have even curbside pickup or I can't see their inventory. Business owners were thrown into a shock right? Yeah. You know, March 15th, right in there, all of a sudden people started waking up and saying at the very worst, Hey, I don't even have a website. What am I going to do? Complete panic to, I need to bring online ordering to my website. And, or I think I need to start advertising on Google or on Facebook. I need to get a community going because I will be dead in the water here by the time we get to Christmas. If, not sooner. So Mark, you're my age. So you've been around and remember, you know, the, the pre website days, and then the, the web came along and everyone said they had to be have a website and it was very static in nature and not very interactive. And, and then sort of what I like to call, you know, web 2.0 came along and, you know, businesses had to recreate their website to, to be more interactive. Do you think we're now in maybe a web 3.0 where, you know, the businesses that do have a website are going to have to go back and redo it so that it can deal with, as you said, the, the environment of, hey, now I need to be able to take orders online. I need to be able to do all these other things online that my website just wasn't doing before. I had a great website, but now it needs to be even more. Or, or do you think that 
businesses need to come back to you and say, hey, let's redo what we already have? It's not a matter of redo. It's a matter of refocusing to what consumers expect. So I'll give you a great example, because I don't know if I would go so far to say that we're in a web 3.0. We probably are in a customer expectation renaissance, you know, if we have to say something like that. An example is uh, I have a doctor that we work with and he wasn't offering telemedicine before the pandemic. It was very much come in for a consultation, just like you'd expect. It's an elective surgery. All of a sudden, he couldn't have anyone in the office. So we immediately moved to a text messaging platform that you actually use your phone, you text message him, it verifies who you are by checking your date of birth. And then you actually can have a video conversation with him through your phone where he can do the consultation. If you need to upload images, so if you have to take pictures, you can take pictures and upload that through the text messaging platform. And it's completely HIPAA compliant as well for, for a doctor. So it was just a matter of realizing, okay, well, nobody's coming in for consultations. We need to make sure that we've got some appointments on deck when you can take people. So what should we do? Let's pivot to this telemedicine. Uh, another example is figuring out where the holes are in the marketplace. So I have a local attorney who was focusing on divorce, but as you know, the courts were closed. People weren't really getting divorced at the beginning of the pandemic. He also has practiced uh, bankruptcy in the past. We know that bankruptcies are going up. We started pivoting his marketing and his Google ads and his website to talk more about what consumers were actually looking for at the time, bankruptcy. So it's managing what customers, what people, what all of us are doing now online versus, hey, we need to redo your website. It's now the question is, how do people expect to engage with you? That's what you have to be doing. So how important is social to that engagement? Super important. So the interesting thing that's happened since the pandemic started is we're all at home and we don't have bosses looking over our shoulders. So it's very easy to get onto Facebook, to get onto Instagram. And if you actually look at the time spent on these platforms since April, it's been going up and up and up. So what's happened is there is more inventory to run ads on social, but there's also more people engaging if you're just posting. And that's, again, going where the customers are, fish where the fish are, right? So we know now people have gotten so used to being on Facebook, being on Instagram, sort of during the day a lot more. And it goes back to sort of what I was saying before is people now expect to curbside pickup, right? Even myself, like if the restaurant doesn't have curbside pickup, I'm kind of thinking like, well, what's happening? Everyone else has it. Wait, I can't order online? It's now become expected. So it is social is now that expected. You just have to be there. Well, Dan, your wife is your boss, so she's always looking over your shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> she, you know, you're right, Eric. But um, she doesn't get, she's an archaeologist, so she doesn't always get this whole marking. And when I say, hey, I'm going into my office to do some marking, she looks at me like, why? What for? So um, she thinks you're just practicing social distancing. I guess <laughs> um, I want to talk though about video in social marketing. Um, you know, it seems to me that 
people, you know, I've written blog articles for years, but, you know, I can write this great long blog. How much is, are people really going to read it? T talk about a little bit how important it is for these small business owners to incorporate video into what they're doing. Mm -hmm. that, that is such a great question because it's, it's having a page, right? So you said you mentioned you have a blog article. So let's say that blog article is 1500 words. Well, we know that some people will read a 1500 article on financial advice, but we also know that there are some people that will never read that many words, but they will certainly watch a 60 second video of you van explaining what those 1500 words are. Even better, we know that there are some people that won't read, won't watch the video, but they will look at an infographic that's embedded in that blog article or in a social post that explains the same information. So again, this goes back to how are you treating your customers or how are you treating the people that you want to be your customers? Because we all learn in a different way. I particularly won't read a 1500 blog article. I will watch a 60 second video of you explaining it. I will watch a two minute video of you on Facebook giving me financial advice over a two week period, like I've seen you do before, which you and I have talked off air on this, on how great I think those videos are because they really engage you and they bring you along. And I look forward to your next video because you as a small business owner have done this where it's, I'm gonna tell you the 10 steps over the next 10 days. And then I'm looking nope. every day. I love lists, man, I love lists. Yeah, every, and people love, and exactly, people love those lists. So it is great that you're doing the blog article, but those videos are just such quick information and people love seeing people, they love relating to people. When I, when I, we all do this. When's the last time you read a book and you start imagining what the characters look like in your head and then you go see the movie and it's completely different because you have your version of what you look like what you sound like and we all do this right. so that's why video is so important because it's just the ultimate connection i'm just hoping like brad pitt plays me in the movie but uh, <laughs> i don't think that's gonna happen i don't know eric can you make that happen <laughs> I, I i see a little keanu reeves i don't know keanu reeves yeah i could do keanu yeah keanu <laughs> would be a perfect fit for me yeah i think so <laughs> <laughs> great um, then I'll, I'll take brad pitt then I want to I want to ask you you mentioned earlier about your team. So how many employees do you have? You know, what's your team made up of? Yep. There are 10 of us and we are situated across the country because we've got clients all over the world. So I've set it up where we're in different time zones to be able to better help clients and better help prospects when they want to talk to us. But the core group is here in in Atlanta in Chambly and then we've got a team in New York Nashville is where we do podcasting. We have an office in the Google Entrepreneur Center. So we do our podcasting out of there and then a team on the West Coast in California. There's, there's one employee specifically I wanna ask about. Your employee named Miles Davis. Uh, yes, he's the one that actually does all the work and uh, he is doing it all for treats, as in dog treats. Eric, Miles is the office dog. So Miles comes into the office and, and hangs out and helps you work. Come in. Yeah, he comes in the office. He hangs out. He's actually at my feet right now, uh, taking a little nap because, you know, why not? He's in charge. He's the Shambly branch manager. Right. Um, <laughs> Mark, do you, find, do you find, I mean, 
you mentioned New York and West Coast. Do you find the talent in this industry, you know, kind of the digital and the marketing, do you find that, that those markets, New York, West Coast, there's more available talent? Do, do, the, do the employee opportunities just kind of flock to those areas or does Atlanta have a lot of natural talent? And is Atlanta branding itself as a tech uh, mm -hmm. I, I love that question. When I started the agency 10 some odd years ago, I would have told you that, that it was definitely a New York, California type of environment that I was looking for. And the staff was actually made up of only that. But like everything else, Atlanta included, tech startups are here. There's great companies here. And that goes the same for if we were to say we were in Kansas. Right? If we're in the middle of, this, of the country, you can find talent anywhere now. So it's become almost a level playing field. What I have found, though, is that those traditional markets of the New York, the Los Angeles, the San Francisco are crowded. There's just too, there's too much talent there, and you can't tell who's good and who's not good anymore because there's just too many people to choose from. So yeah. I prefer, actually, to have someone that maybe is in Nashville where it's not so crowded and there's good people there and they want to work and th they're just as good, if not better than what you might find in one of the traditional, you know, big tech markets. That's kind of interesting, Van. I mean, Atlanta, I've, I've heard this, you know, across the board in the, you know, small business community, you know, over the last 10 years, you know, Atlanta's really branded itself. Um, and I would say Shambly's probably gotten, you know, a number of, entrepreneurial comp companies locating this assembly. I mean, why would you, why would you pay to be, you know, if you can be in different areas, why would you pay, you know, for office space in other parts of, of, you know, Atlanta? You know, well, that's a, that's you a can... great question, Eric. And, and I want to turn it to Mark because your business, you locate it here in downtown Chambly, you're right on Peachtree road, which is our main street of sorts. Tell us, you know, why you picked, that location because we ask that of our guests from time to time because we have so many small entrepreneurs I often wonder what is it about Shambly that attracts people to come open their business here yeah so for us it was a pretty easy decision I could have gone anywhere so typically an agency like mine is going to have an office in Midtown or or in downtown or in the Virginia Highlands area you know sort of the the hip spots and I chose Shambly because of the community aspect. Uh, I saw an opportunity that people were getting together and acting as a community. So I spent time before we signed a lease, I spent time at the coffee house. I spent time at the brewery, got my, my haircut downtown a couple different times. And I just started talking to people to find out the vibe and see if it was a good fit because I knew for us to be a good partner within the community, the community had to have already other good partners in it that we weren't gonna be able to establish it ourselves. So it was an easy decision and we found a great space on, on Peachtree Road, like you said. And now they're doing that great streetscape right in front of you. Yeah. And it's, I mean, I know it's a hassle probably from a, a traveling perspective, but I think when they're done with that, Peachtree Road is just gonna look so incredible. You're gonna have sidewalks that people can walk up and down and, and browse the different uh, retail shops and uh, what, what a great thing downtown is becoming in, in Chambly. Yeah, well, totally. Before, before we go to our commercial break, I do have one more question to ask, and that is around 
what you do, you, you know, you mentioned all the different things you do, video and social and this and that, but I wanna talk a little bit about how the process works from a content perspective. If I'm a small business owner and I come to you and hire you, and I say, hey, you know, I'm assuming you go through some kind of intake process to, to get to know your new client, but are you creating all the content for them? Are you sort of giving them homework and saying, hey, I need you, know, you to shoot a three minute video? Tell us a little bit about the content that you are using to help market their business. Our job is to make it as easy as possible for them. So we're doing all of the work and how we start our engagements, we always have a free discovery with anyone that calls us. So we're willing to investigate to see if we're gonna be a good fit first. And once a small business signs on, then we run through a couple different exercises with them. They include a creative brief so we can start to figure out what their background is, who they're trying to attract. Sometimes it might be what websites they like and don't like. We dive pretty deep with them. We also help them understand, which I have found most small business owners skip this step, when they start their business, it's called a buyer persona. So who actually do they want their customers to be and what are their traits and their habits? Because we're now their marketing agency. So we're writing content, we're making these videos, we're coming up with the scripts for the video and filming the clients. We're creating these social posts. They have to be on point to who the audience they're trying to reach. So we're taking care of all of that for the clients so that they can do what they love, which is why they started their business. We love doing marketing, which is why I started my business. So if you're gonna make a video, would you, you would draft up the, the, the script for the video, would you then go to their business and shoot it there? Would you shoot it yourself? Does it just depend on what it is? It you depends on, on what it is and what the scope. So we can do everything from creating a video with our own voiceover talent using stock footage and maybe footage from the business itself. We can do a video by capturing on Zoom, like you've seen this where people do Zoom, you record it, and we actually can make a video out of that with music and title cards. We do a lot of that now since the pandemic happened. And before the pandemic, we were going to the businesses, the brick and mortars, and actually setting up two cameras, lights, we have a full script and going in and, and filming a video. So it really just depends on what's going to work to generate business for the client. What would you say, Mark, to the people who are perhaps too content with their content and they think that, wow, you know, this pandemic was rough, but we're going to bounce back. I can just, you know, keep on doing the same old thing. I don't need to switch it up. Um, people are maybe a little stubborn. You know, they've got an established business. It, it, it hasn't, they haven't had a need to change, you know, but maybe they're not realizing the full potential. There's a lot of opportunity that they're missing out on because they don't market to their clients in a different way. What would you say to them? I would say be very cautious. There was a, a great article a couple of weeks ago from John Mueller, who's on the Google search team. So this is like, this is the top here. And it was talking about how rankings fluctuate within a Google search and what the reasons were. And one of the reasons is consumers habits change. So what it means is that you could be ranking number one for let's just say years on something, but all of a sudden consumers decide that curbside pickup of your competitor is a better option. 
or your competitor offers a new service and all of a sudden they've overtaken that number one position. So it's not so much that the business owner is stubborn, it's they have to realize that consumer habits because of this pandemic have changed drastically that no one could have ever predicted that all of a sudden we're all gonna be wearing masks. We're all gonna be doing curbside pickup. Going to the grocery store is going to be sort of a thing of the past because you can Instacart, you can use Amazon. Why leave your house when, you know, in my family it was traditional that we would go to the grocery store, you know, the Whole Foods and Chambly every Friday night. I haven't been since March 15th to a grocery store. Wow. And I know, and I know I'm not the only one because my habits have changed and my wife and I have kind of decided like, why do we need to go? We just shop online and we're, it's fruits, vegetables, and some ketchup. And so, you know, right. So what's the difference, but our habits have changed. Yeah. Well, we are up to our commercial break. We need to hear from our sponsor, but when we come back, we're going to play our ever fun. Can you ace it game where Mark, we're going to ask you some questions, see how well, you know, the answers to these questions. We'll be back right after these. Vamp Half is here from Between Two Trains. I want to tell you about two great events that are coming up later this month. They're near and dear to my heart. The first is the Atlanta Greek Festival. That's right, it's that time of year for the Greek Festival. But this year, because of the pandemic, it'll be a little bit different. Unfortunately, you won't be able to come hang out and watch the dancers and listen to the music and go through the shops. This year, the church is doing a road trip to Greece, so it will be a drive-through only festival. What that means is you'll just be able to pull up in your car, order all the great Greek food that you love eating, and take it home to the family. That'll be on September 25th through the 27th. Come on by and get all the great Greek food. Another event that's coming up also on September 25th is an exceptional evening benefiting the Elaine Clark Center. Now I'm going to be emceeing this event and it is going to be awesome because it's going to be all virtual and free. You'll be able to go to Facebook and check out, just do a search for Elaine Clark Center. You'll get all of the details. There will be a live event over at Factory Atlanta, um, but we have to limit to no more than 50 people. You'll be able to uh, Join in in the raffle. There'll be some silent auction items. So check out the Elaine Clark Center. Remember, we interviewed them back on episode 48. So you might want to go back and listen to that episode and then come and enjoy an exceptional evening on September 25th at 7.30 p.m., all virtual. Welcome back to Between Two Trains. My name is Van, and we are here with Mark Apple of Forward Push. And we are ready to play our Can You Ace It game, brought to you by the local Shambly Ace Hardware. Uh, go see Brian and Stacy, what great small entrepreneurs we have right here in Shambly. They can help you with any of your uh, project needs. So, Eric, what do we got for Mark today? Well, Mark, we know you know all about search engine optimization, marketing, social media, but we want to know how much you know about the city you decided to locate in, the city of Chambly, AKA the center of the universe. Oh, I like um, that. The act, no, it's the actual center of the universe. The actual the center actual of the universe. Center. That's actually branded. And I believe someone in our community is trying to get that uh, uh, trademarked or registered or whatever you call it, copyrighted. 
I think that would be a great thing because it's the actual center of the universe. But at any rate, our Can You Ace a Game takes us there. So these questions are based around Chambly and uh, multiple guests. And uh, let's just dive right in. Are you ready, Mark? I'm ready. Bring it on. All right. Question number one, Chambly was originally dairy farms. During the late 19th century, an intersection of two railroads was constructed in Chambly. One carried passengers from Atlanta to Charlotte, while the, the other ferried workers and goods back and forth from a factory in Roswell to Atlanta. What was the original name of the area before it was Chambly? Either A, Keswick, B, Roswell Junction, or C, Camp Gordon? Let's go with A. I'm sorry, that is wrong. Keswick is the name of a neighborhood in Chambly. It was actually called Roswell Junction. Uh, the settlement uh, was known as Roswell Junction, emerged because of the intersection, and the United States Postal Service decided to establish a post office here. However, the feeling of the name was too similar to the city of Roswell, so they randomly selected from a list of petitioners for the new name of the post office, and they called the post office Chambly, hence when the city formed in like 1907, they called it Chambly. Uh, I'm glad they Russell did that. Russell Junction. I'm glad they did that. Can you imagine the confusion if it was yeah. Roswell and Roswell, Roswell Junction. Junction. Hey, yeah. go over to Roswell. No, 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 Roswell Junction. It would be like a city that had a street name that changed its name 500 different times. Oh, that doesn't happen in Atlanta, does it? No way. Beachtree Road doesn't change its name. <laughs> no, I never heard of that. All right, so unfortunately we are 0 for 1. Let's see if we can get the next two. We'll bounce back here. Question number two, DeCamp Peachtree Airport. I believe it's actually Peachtree DeCab Airport. No, no, no. Nope, you are wrong, Eric. It is actually DeKalb Peachtree Airport. A lot of people misdo uh, that. They think it's Peachtree DeKalb Airport, but if you look at the sign in front of the building, it actually says DeKalb Peachtree Airport. Now, the, the, the uh, uh, FAA symbol for the airport is actually PDK. So it's odd because you think because the symbol is PDK, that it should be Peachtree DeKalb Airport, but it's not. Sorry that was not that. The, that Didn't was interrupt. That's not the question. No, that's that was not. not the question. <laughs> that was not the question. <laughs> but I have, I, have, I have triggered Van there with uh, uh, my own edit uh, and my mistake there. So let me let me go back from the beginning. DeKalb Peachtree Airport, also known as PDK, is now the second busiest airport in Georgia. What was the site used for prior to it being a commercial airport? Either a a clown rodeo would come set up once a year to entertain citizens. B, in 1917, it served as World War I training ground, and in 1942, served as a naval air station. C, in the 1950s, Mayor Malone would throw a big square dance in the open fields. I am going to go with B. Ding, 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 ding. ding you ding, are ding. correct. Good job. <laughs> yes. You know, although I would like to see the clown rodeo come, that would be kind of fun. How do we get a clown rodeo to come to Shamley? <laughs> how about an actual rodeo? Let's get some bulls 
you know, get a bunch of dirt in there, get a bunch of, I think that would be good. So especially, here's, an, here's some interesting facts about the airport, Eric. Um, the airport is actually the third largest payer of property taxes in the county, the third largest payer of property taxes, and is responsible for an estimated 7,300 jobs and generates $130 million in income for local residents. And in 2000, the National Air Transportation Association named it um, one of America's 100 most needed airports. The whole country, 100 most needed airports, PDK was one of them. Well, I mean, I think that, I think that makes sense, you know, um, you know, but it's, I think for people who, who are local to Chambly, who grew up in Atlanta, you know, Hartsfield always got the main, you know, focus. It was always touted as one of the busiest in the world, you know, um, and with, you know, all the industry like Delta kind of surrounding there, you know, PDK kind of maybe gets forgotten about, but it's, it is a, for the community, it is a, it can be a huge economic driver. Um, there are a lot of, of good things, uh, not to mention just the property taxes that they pay, yeah, they, you know, that can come about. It's a huge resource. The new master plan for the airport is talking about including an, uh, a national aviation museum on the property where they will highlight, you know, the nation's, you know, history of aviation. Anyways, all right, so we're one for one in our Can You Ace It game. All right, question number three. Shambly had a mayor for 32 years. Who was the mayor? Either A, current mayor Eric Clarkson, B, Mayor Dub Brown, or C, Mayor Woody Malone. I will go with C, Malone. Ding, 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 ding. ding. ding, ding, ding. You are correct. <laughs> From 1950 to 1982. Think about that. 32 years. One guy was running this city. <laughs> also, it should be known that that was when the city still had a mayoral run city. So right now, um, that's not the structure of our government in Chambly. Right now we have what's called a city manager run government where the mayor and council elect a person to, I mean, hire a person to run the city. He gets paid a salary and he deals with all the day-to-day -day stuff of the city. But back then, the mayor was actually, it was a job, a full-time job, and he ran the city. And Mayor Malone ran the city with an iron fist for 32 years. <laughs> Hence the name Malone Street. That's where it came from. All right. Well, so you won our Can You Ace It game. Congratulations, Mark. You can tout that as a, a huge victory to all your clients when you're trying to sign them up. Say, yeah, I won the Can You Ace It game. And um, I want to give an opportunity here because we're almost out of time for you to tell people, you know, whether they're a small business owner or know a small business owner that might need your services. You know, how do they get in touch with you? Should they go to your website, send you an email, call you? What do you want them to do? Yep, they can go to the website. It's forwardpush.com. And my email is mark, M-A-R-C, at forwardpush.com. And for all small business owners, whether in Chambly or not, we offer two things. One is a free 45-minute discovery session and or just an evaluation of their website. So we like to make sure that 
when someone comes to us that we are going to bring value to the conversation we have with them. So I'd be happy to offer that to everyone listening. Eric, any final questions for Mark? No, I, you know, I think, you know, an, an apple, an apple a day will keep Google away. What do you have anything you know, regarding <laughs> that using the last name? There? Oh, Eric. Eric. Oh. The, the only thing I have to that is if my parents would have just named me Mac instead of Mark. Uh, oh, man. Different. <laughs> Mac Apple, I got you. There you oh, go. Oh, my goodness, both of y'all. Well, no, we, Mark, we nothing, appreciate, we nothing, appreciate nothing, you coming nothing. on the show, Mark. You know, Eric, what's going on in the banking world? Is there, we're, we're done with the, is there going to be any more round of help from the government or are we, we done with that this year? It'll be interesting to see, um, you know, the, the PPP loan is coming up. The forgiveness periods are, are about to, you know, begin where recipients of the PPP loan apply for forgiveness. Um, you know, it's, it's difficult to tell, you know, what, what could come about. Um, you know, the stock market is doing well. It's performing very well. Uh, but you've got a, across the country a varied different regions are are still kind of restricted other regions are a little more comfortable with with reemerging so it's very tough to tell i don't have any guidance and certainly anything i say uh speculatively does not age well this year <laughs> yeah, i i agree with that and i think that uh you're right and plus we also got an election that's going to be pretty controversial so we'll We'll see what happens over the next 60 days. Anyways, thanks everyone for listening. We will be back in two weeks with another great episode of Queen Two Trees.